2020 round of 16. This is when it really gets tasty, everybody. Jimmy Conrad joins to discuss every single matchup. We do a fun bracket game as the round of 16 Euro 2020 gets going. Our full preview, Kego Lasso, begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Euro 2020 round of 16 preview. I am so excited, and of course, I know he is as well. And I'm so happy he's here. As always, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, what's up, man? What's up, Luis? I brought my megaphone. Hopefully, it's not too loud for everybody. <laughs> uh, the megaphone is here. I love it. You Jimmy, love it. everybody loves it. I love it. Everybody, the megaphone is here, and that means big business. The round of 16, baby. We are finally in the knockout stages. It's when things get for reals, reals. Jimmy, how are you feeling about it? I feel great. You know, I, what I love about this competition in particular is the history of upsets. We saw Greece win it in 2004. We saw Portugal win it the last iteration where they got third in their group. And guess what? They got third in their group this time around. We'll see if that Works out for them in the same way, probably not, in my humble opinion. And then, you know, Denmark didn't qualify in 92, but Yugoslavia had to back out. Then Denmark, with all their guys on the beach chilling, probably having beers and smoking cigarettes, get the call. Hey, by the way, you guys get to come in a couple days before the tournament starts and go on to win it. I mean, there's just so many cool stories about the Euro. So anything can happen. And I think that's what I love about it the most. Absolutely. And everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you watch it as well on YouTube as well as listening, because we're going to be doing... Some fun things today. It's the round of 16, the 16 teams left, of course, and it also means uh, bracketology. It's bracket time. <laughs> and this is how we make it even more exciting for everybody. So here's how it's going to go down. Jimmy and I are just going to go through every matchup, and uh, I want to do it from a bracket perspective. I'll tell you the games and everything, but if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able, our producer Lisa will be able to put up the graphic as we're talking so you can try and figure it out and do it, uh, you know, at home with your friends and family. Like, well, who do you think is going to win, et cetera? And tweet us, Jimmy Conrad, LMH Garay, and of course, Que Golazo Pod. Now, the other thing is, and Jimmy also knows this as well, we're going to be going through each game, through each matchup via the bracket. Okay, courtesy of our friend Roger Gonzalez, CBS Sports Soccer. You can see it all there. Basically, I'm not going by day. I'm not doing Saturday, Sunday. I'm, I'm going by bracket. Okay, and I'll explain in a second. Because it's a 16, sweet 16, round the 16 bracket, there's a Western Conference side and an Eastern Conference side. Okay, this is the West. That's everybody. very Major League Soccer of you. Continue. <laughs> I'm making it very well. You know what? It already had that MLS feel in Copa America, right? So we might as well make it MLS feel That's here fair. in 2020. That's fair. Keep it going. Keep it going. So we're going to do the West side first and the East side. And this is what I mean by that. On the West side, we're going to have Belgium, Portugal, France against. No, I'm sorry. Italy against Austria, France against Switzerland, Spain, Croatia. Those are the first four games we're going to talk about. Then we'll take a break and then we'll do the rest, which is on the east side. So let's begin, Jimmy, okay. with a big one. Belgium against Portugal. This is a star-studded matchup. It's on Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. My goodness, what a game. Talk to me. Yeah, this is a great one. I think it's a nice segue into what I was saying before about Portugal finishing in third once again. Maybe that's what they like. That's where they feel comfortable getting into the knockout rounds. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's throw it out there right from the very beginning. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And that, that cliche is uh, always true in every single competition that you compete in. So let's do some fun facts about this one. Belgium have only failed to score in two of their last 58 games under Roberto Martinez. 
averaging exactly three goals per game in this stretch of fixtures. That's 174 goals over that time. Now, the two games they've been shut out, it was against uh, France in the World Cup semifinal in 2018, and in their most recent meeting with, you guessed it, Portugal, a 0-0 draw in June 2018. So I don't know. That's that's pretty crazy. What I will say about this Belgium team is that they seem to have an identity. They know who they are and what they're about, and their 11 feels settled, assuming everybody's healthy. Everybody knows their role. I think Roberto Martinez is very clear on where everybody stands. And if Romelu Lukaku shows up, I thought he was one of the top players in the group stages. Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, when he plays and is healthy, is an incredible difference maker. And we could argue if he played all three games, he might have been one of the best players. Or he probably already proved that he was one of the best players. Yeah. And then and then, when I look at Portugal, they obviously have a ton of talent. But they're defending. Ruben Diaz, not the same guy playing for Manchester City that he's playing for Portugal right now. I just, when I look at Fernando Santos's team, he doesn't know, I don't think, what his best 11 is. And he's not alone in this. I think Germany are suffering from the same problem. I think England are suffering from the same problem amongst some other teams that are still left in the round of 16. So can he find the right players that are going to be up for this? I feel like Bernardo Silva hasn't been that great either. I'm just going to throw them in there. And, and Renato Sanchez has been. And it took him two games to finally start Renato Sanchez, who I thought was excellent in the last game as well. So that uncertainty, I think, for Portugal, even though they have one of the greatest to ever do it in Cristiano Ronaldo, even though you're gonna, I'm going to, I know, I know you guys are saying, you're thinking it in your minds right now. If you're listening, uh, he just scores penalties. He just, he's a tap in merchant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's still, somebody's got to step up and take him. And that guy has the confidence to do so every single time. So I don't want to take anything away from him. He does show up for big games. This could be his last ever euros. I'm leaning towards Belgium because of the identity thing. I, I think they know who they are. And I love that stat that I read about them only failing to score twice in 58 games under Roberto Martinez. So we know there are going to be goals in this one. Portugal have been pretty leaky defensively. Losing Joao Cancelo before the tournament started, I think, really hurt them. Yeah, so, that's where I was going to go. Joao so, Cancelo's so, absence is big. Also, when I, let's look at Portugal. First two games, they played a double pivot in front of the back four. And then the game, the last game that they had against France, they only had one player, Danilo, who was sitting in front of the back four. And then they had Renato Sanchez come in. I felt like they were moving better. They felt a little bit more fluid in transition. And I thought Renato Sanchez was, was fantastic. I, I am becoming more, I'm, I'm re-becoming a fan of him, right? Yeah. I think he fell off a little bit. Everybody's the like, 2016 nah, years yeah. coming back. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, there's something about his game that I really like. And, and I think he got a ton of confidence uh, helping Lille win Liga. I think Belgium's going to win this. Uh, but, but I think it's going to be close. It will be close. I, I agree as well. And it's such a good game to all the points, uh, points that you just talked about. Um, so we're going to put Belgium moving forward. I'm going to agree right, with you my, straight away. Uh, I'm not that. even going to give you the argument because we're going to keep agree. going. We're going to keep, keep rolling going, with this. Going. So we're going to go with Belgium uh, taking over this one. All right, let's move on here. Italy, arguably the team of the group stage, have not conceded a goal in the last 11 matches. Uh, joint 30 unbeaten games uh, record with back in the 30s and 40s when they did the same thing. So they could break another record as they beat Austria. And I believe it will happen. But say the word, my friend. What do you see here? I, if we want to make this one quick, I think it's Italy all the way. They're currently not only on an 11-game winning streak, they're currently on an unbeaten streak of 30 games, 25 wins and five draws. That's the joint longest run in their history. 
uh, equaling a run that happened back between 1935 and 1939. So it's been a while. And there's obviously been some very, very terrific Italian national teams uh, during that span. So fair play to Roberto Mancini. I wish he wore the scarf a little bit more. I'm missing the scarf with him, but definitely the nah, best He looks great manager. in his suit. Very That's suit. <laughs> he does. He, he looks like he should be part of a... You know, barbershop quartet, we know, yeah. the staff when they're all wearing the suits. Or like we'll, playing polo at the end of a long day. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, just so everybody knows, from Austria's perspective, this is their first ever appearance in the knockout stages of the European Championships. Interesting. In the first in the knockout stage of a major tournament since the 1954 World Cup. So we need to put a little bit of respect on their name. That said, I feel like they're going to come to the end of their little run that they're on right now. And I say this because Italy have been so good on both sides of the ball. Uh, Donnarumma and goal has only had to make one save in three games. That's ridiculous. Chiellini, I don't know if he's going to play, but Bastoni played in the last one, and that was good. Uh, Di Lorenzo has been coming in for Florenzi. He's been solid. The big question for me from the Italian side is Verratti's healthy again. So do you start Locatelli, who has been very good? And, and was a surprise starter and has done well, scored two goals. Uh, or do you go with Verratti? Uh, that's, that's, for me, the only question mark, the only thing, and I don't know if it's going to make a difference either way because they're both playing very, very well. Quite a problem yeah. to have, isn't it? It is, it is. And Austria, for me, have some ballers. We got Sabitzer, we got uh, David Alaba, who just happy birthday to him. He just shared a birthday. They have a primarily Bundesliga-based team. But the one team that is red hot right now in the tournament is the Dutch, and they lost 2-0 to the Dutch in the group stages and only got one shot on goal. So that makes me, and the Italians are better defensively than the Dutch, let's be honest. So I, I got, I think this is Italy all day, every day. Maybe, maybe Austria can score early to maybe make it a little bit more interesting because, because we're going to have to use the Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got to plan until they get, they get punched in the face and Italy haven't been punched in the face yet. I mean, they took care of a now looking like a pretty easy group where Turkey didn't play well. They haven't even gone a jab, Jim. I know you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the other opponents haven't even like actually taken a swing. So yeah. if Austria can do that and score first and put some pressure on the Italians, then we're really going to see what Italy's made of in terms of coping with adversity when they're down and things aren't going their way. Right now, everything's gone their way and has been for 30 games because they're unbeaten in those 30. So we'll see how they do. But I just think there's something about this Italian team that is refreshing, a little bit uh, breaking the stereotypes because they're going after it. They're scoring a lot of goals and... I think this is Italy all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. We can keep moving on because I see Asuri going forward, beating Austria as well. They're just too good, too confident, and too willing to keep it moving. All right, and we're going to keep it moving here. France. France, Le Bleu, still a favorite, uh, definitely one of the top three favorites to win the whole thing. They've gone through a rough uh, journey because their group was very difficult, beating Germany, tying with Portugal, tying with Hungary, and now they have Switzerland. What do you have? So these two have played each other a few times. They met at the last Euro, which was 0-0 in the group stages. Uh, two years earlier in Brazil for the World Cup, France demolished them 5-2. to two. And then back in 2006 during the World Cup, they played to 0-0 once again. Switzerland are currently ranked 13th in the FIFA rankings, whether you guys buy into the FIFA rankings or not. Uh, I probably will agree with you if you say no. But <laughs> but they're, they're, you have that. They have some quality for sure. And my concern for Switzerland is kind of similar to my concern for Austria, which was when they actually played the real team in their group, they got smoked. Okay, so Austria lost to the Dutch. Swiss got crushed by Italy 3-0. And yes, that's their only defeat in their last 10, which is 
pretty efficient during that stretch. They've actually scored two or more goals in seven of those 10. But when they finally faced some competition that were feeling good about themselves and, and had a lot of talent and more talented than them, they, they, they struggled a bit. And I think France, on the flip side, France, for me, haven't played their best. And we saw a few teams, and I know we're going to get into these, these other two teams, where Croatia didn't play their best, finally saved it for the last game and got through. Spain hadn't played their best, finally saved it for the last game and put five past Slovakia. So are we going to see that type of performance from France? I think we're going to see it once before they get knocked out or go on to win it. Is it going to be this one? I'm going to say yes. As much as I appreciate what Switzerland bring to the table, and I, I think they're going to be tough to break down, and I think they have some talented players in the roster, this game feels very similar to me to Italy-Austria. If Austria or Switzerland can hit first and punch them first, then maybe they have a chance. We saw Denmark do it against Belgium in the group stages before Belgium ultimately wore them down and ended up winning that game. I just think the quality for, for France is just too much in every single facet. And they don't give up a lot of goals, France. I mean, I know they did there at the end, but they're a team without a defeat in 10 games. They had six clean sheets in those 10. I know they gave up a goal to, to Hungary and Portugal. So if you take those out, they had six in their last eight in terms of clean sheets. And getting back to their identity, I, I like what they're about. So Switzerland are going to have to be, honestly, Switzerland and Austria, those two teams have to be perfect, I think, to go on in, in advance. I think this is France all day, every day. Yeah, we can keep moving forward here. I also see Le Bleu going forward. I think that the only thing that I will add is that in the group stages, you have now finally seen a full blueprint of what France is all about. They struggled against Hungary uh, in front of uh, Hungary's uh, fans. They beat a German side in the opening side with still a few issues. And in the last game against Portugal, they showed with a rotation uh, of a squad, also showed some cracks. But I think that helps Didier Deschamps' side because it allows them to now see another opponent. And by the way, Karim Benzema feeling very good right now. They didn't lose either, right? They didn't not play right, well. Exactly. They're they not, didn't yeah. play, they didn't play well, everyone listening and Luis, they didn't play well and they won the group of death. And I think that matters. I think that shows some character within the team that, okay, even though we're not playing at our maximum, even though things aren't necessarily working out for us or flowing as well as we'd like, we still are getting results. And that's a sign of a, of a team that's won a World Cup before. That's what I'll throw out there. And I think that kind of experience does matter in the biggest games. Absolutely correct. All right, let's keep going. The last game of the Western Conference is España against Luka Modric and Croatia. As you mentioned, uh, Croatia finally woke up towards the end of the group stage and Spain really woke up in the last game against Slovakia. What do you see here? Yeah, this is... a. Uh... This is my probably my favorite game. If only because if only because they both did the same thing throughout this tournament. Didn't play well in the first two group games, then turned it on when they needed to and scored a bunch of goals and kind of let everybody know, "Hey, by the way, we're pretty good." You know, hey, we're Croatia. Yeah, we're we're the 2018 World Cup finalists. We know what it takes to win in these types of competitions. We have the experience. And we just, we're going to demonstrate it in a big game, in a must-win game. And they did it. Spain did the same thing. Now, Spain only needed a draw, but they came out. Even after missing a penalty, which was five straight penalties Spain has missed. So we'll see. Amorata how that penalty missed, by the way, once again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Alvaro Morata, I feel like, definitely translates into German as Timo Werner. I don't know if that joke's allowed <laughs> on this podcast. But I will say, it's too, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm you laughing. Go back to rolling your eyes. Thank you for the courtesy laugh. So, so. When, I, when both of these teams got through their group and played as well as they did on the last match day, the first thing that I thought of was, these are two teams I would not want to play against because I feel like now they've, they've hit their, their stride a little bit. They can relax a little bit. They got through. 
They they didn't, you know, get bounced in the in the group stages. They can just play a little bit free. The fact that they're playing each other is pretty crazy. So ah, this is a tough game. I actually think this is probably the most enjoyable because of of the quality on both sides, frankly. Yeah, the aesthetics, the aesthetics, the aesthetics just, and the different really, styles yeah. and and how is Croatia going to minimize the possession by death, you know, or death by possession that Spain has? And, and can Spain take their chances against a better opponent than Slovakia, which they haven't done in the other two games? So, yeah, this is a great one for me. I really look forward to this. This is the one where I think you can flip a coin, everybody. Uh, I don't know, Luis, which way you're heading. There is something about that experience. Is Spain ready with this group? Maybe Spain learns from this, loses to Croatia, maybe in penalties or something like that. And then they really kind of use that as a building block to have a successful 2022 World Cup. Whereas Croatia, this is kind of the last gasp for a lot of these guys. Yeah, they'll probably qualify for the World Cup, but they're not going to get to the final again. This is their big chance to kind of, while these guys are somewhat, you know, near the end of their primes, but, you know, it's getting closer to the end for this core group of players for Croatia. So I feel like that maybe that desperation and urgency could seep in a little bit. We're spaying so many young players. The future's bright. Everything's great, you know? So uh, I don't know. This is a tough one for me to call. I, 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 I'm dilly dally, Jimmy Conrad. Tell I, I'm me. I'm dilly dallying because, I mean, I'll say it goes to penalties. And because okay. Spain suck at penalties, I'll go with Croatia. There, I said well, it. Oh, wow. You're going with a Croatia win there. Yeah. Then. I said in penalties. Yeah, but said, I'm, we're talking about a bracket, so we got to pick somebody that okay, goes. I did, to I did. Croatia. If it goes to penalties, it's clear that Spain are terrible at penalties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Croatia goes through. This is the first place where me and Jimmy disagree. I think it's going to be tight as well. Um, and listen, just uh, from what's been going recently, Croatia last faced Spain, uh, Spain in any competition during the 2018-2019 uh, Nations League. Croatians won the most recent of those with a 3-3-2, but they lost the other 6-0 in September 2018. Now, that's a while ago, though, granted. So, you know, it is, I think it's definitely a coin toss, this one. It's very difficult to figure out. I'm just going to go with Spain just because I love what Luis Enrique said. They're like a bottle of champagne. The moment you open it, (laughs) <laughs> and I feel like that's what we saw in Slovakia. Uh, and, and I know that Croatia is obviously clearly better than Slovakia, but that game really gave them at least the momentum and the confidence of knowing that they can play a certain way. But make no mistake about it, Jimmy. I agree with you. It's going to be tough to figure out. I'm just I'm going to go with Spain an extra time. OK, I, I do think it. Let's just say from a betting perspective that it'll be a draw after 90 minutes and then we can be friends again. <laughs> Beautiful. That's it. There you go. We have it. Love it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Gay will last around the 16. We'll return with the Eastern Conference. You like that, Jimmy? The Eastern Conference. I love that. I love that. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. 
Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Kegolasso Euro 2020 Round of 16 Preview with Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, let's go to the east side. Let's go to the east side. Let's do it again. You sat for life. <laughs> the megaphone's amazing. It really enhances the whole experience. It really makes it like you, you were doing it in a stadium, isn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> I might get another one. I'm like a capo. I'm the capo of K Golasso. <laughs> just don't get a Vuvuzela, please. Just there's, there's anything. <laughs> All I, right. can't, I can't confirm or deny any rumors at this time. Oh. As I as I order on Amazon right now. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to the east side, round of 16. And let's begin with, you know what? People may think this is the least interesting. I don't know. Sweden against Ukraine. How do you see this one? So with regard to Sweden versus Ukraine, this was the eighth straight game where Sweden have not lost. And six of them, goalkeeper Robin Olsen didn't concede a goal, which I feel like Needs to be acknowledged in some ways. I thought he totally. was tremendous helping Sweden win a group that many people expected, especially without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They weren't also performed well at the World Cup as well. Like he's very consistent with the national team. I wish he did the same for Roma. Different conversation. So overall, the Swedes like to, I feel like, obviously play very tight defense. When they played against Spain, they only had 14% possession after 90 minutes. But yet <laughs> they were, they got a draw. I mean, so, so there is... Amazing. There, yeah, there's something to take away from from Sweden and and Emil Forsberg has got three goals now and and for me Sweden is creating their own luck. If you saw a lot of Sweden's goals against all their opponents, everything was it, it'll feel opportunistic or you'll be like, oh, that one was pretty lucky. But but I don't believe in luck. I think luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And I think that Sweden put themselves in a position to make things happen. And then you have Alexander Isak up top who has, I mean, people are saying, oh, who is this guy? He's a revelation. Like, I don't know if you watch La, La Liga, you pretty much know that at La Real, Real Sociedad, uh, Alexander Isak is a baller. The guy can it's play. Why, so, it's why Real Sociedad started so well uh, in the season as well. Exactly, like, exactly. I will say, though, that when I watched the Sweden-Poland game, where Lewandowski got two goals. One of them a ridiculous one. Uh, so good. He's such a good player. Obviously, he's good. Captain, just call me Captain. I'm going to hit the Captain Obvious armband here. Jimmy and LME say Robert Lewandowski. He's good. (laughs) Hashtag analysis. But but I thought that when Poland actually pushed the game and and played with real urgency, I don't think Sweden had a lot of answers for that. And Mm. because we're now in those win or go home games from here on out, that makes me a little bit nervous for Sweden. I, 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 but I will say this with regard to Ukraine. They won one game and lost two, but they find themselves here. 
They lost to the Dutch 3-2. They were down 2-0 on that one, made it 2-2, and then gave up a, a pretty crappy goal. And I thought the goalkeeping for Ukraine was what hurt them in that one. Whereas with Sweden, we could argue the goalkeeper is what's helped them win the group and got them into this position in the first place. So where I'm going with this is that I think this game could be determined by which goalkeeper stands on his head and which one is either bang average or makes a mistake, right? That another team will capitalize on. So I don't know. I mean, the Yarmolenko, Yarmchuk uh, up top for, for, for Ukraine are good. They've been involved in all the goals that Ukraine have scored so far in this tournament. You have Atalanta's uh, Ruslan Malabat, Malanif, Malinovsky, excuse me, and uh, Sharpenko, one of their younger players, are very, very good in midfield. I wouldn't sleep on this Ukraine team. And this, it's going to be a bit of a coin flip from some of the odds that I've seen so far. It's, it's favored to Sweden, but slightly. I actually think that Ukraine is going to do it. Oh, wow. Okay. I do. As much as I, I really like what Sweden has done so far, I just think that Ukraine have shown enough for me to think that they could they could steal this one because people aren't expecting them to do anything and they have they have the team to do it. it they just have to have their goalkeeper just play just be solid all they need their goalkeeper to do is just make the saves that he should make and i think they're going to be fine and i think sweden are going to be up for a tough test here so this is my i don't say it's an upset because i think they're a little bit even in some ways but but i like ukraine to maybe slip through here uh, but but you could you could convince me but i i in my bracket i'll go with ukraine no, it's very tough. I mean, listen, I think Ukraine showed us a lot in that 3-2 loss to the Netherlands. I think they showed us uh, what they can do sometimes. And then it was a little iffy 2-1, of course, against um, North Macedonia and then losing, of course, to Austria in the end. Sweden, to your point, is all about the counter-reacting thing, like just for, beginning with Olsen. Like, and this to me is like two counter-attacking boxers just going up against mm-hmm, each other, mm-hmm. feeling each other out. And again, you made another point, which is they're going to test each other's mistakes. Whoever makes the least mistakes is going to be able to feel more confident as the game goes along. This is very difficult for me. I'm going with Sweden um, just because of the defensive side. And if if this goes into penalties, I'm putting my money more on Olsen, um, you know, than his counterpart. So I'm going to disagree with you again. This is so annoying because usually we agree a lot, but I'll go with Sweden in this one. That's fine. I don't take it personal. I understand. Yeah. And you know, you're not Swedish I, I, or Ukrainian. Well, 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 when I'm right at the end, I won't rub it in your face or anything, Luis. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you do it all the time. He texts me like at 3 a.m. and wakes me up. And he's Dude, like, I hit ah. three out of four of my bets. That's amazing. I know. And I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. And ooh, baby, is it coming home? Well, I am wearing Jack Grealish England for today. My goodness. This is a good one. England against Germany at Wembley. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Talk to me about this game. All right. So they're playing at Wembley, which whether you think that's fair or unfair, I guess doesn't really matter because England's played all three or now four. They'll be their fourth game at Wembley throughout this tournament. This is the place where the three Lions achieved their greatest success. They won the World Cup in 1966, beating Germany in the finals. However, exactly 30 years later, the Germans lifted the European title at Wembley. So... There's something there, right? So I think we say that Wembley maybe invokes some nice memories for both sides. What I find interesting about both, they, both of these teams fall into the category of, I don't think they know their best 11 yet. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see what Yogi Love goes with. I think that Ilkay Gundogan, another Manchester City player, by the way, that I don't think has performed very well. Bernardo yeah. Silva, Ruben Diaz. We could even throw Bruno Fernandes in there if we want to start encompassing all the Manchester clubs. There's just something... 
I don't know if they're tired or whatever. They just don't look as sharp or if they're not being put in good positions, good starting positions to make plays. I don't know what it is, but they all haven't looked that sharp. I'm just throwing that out there. What I find interesting about fans in general, I was going to say English fans, but I'm going to say fans in general. England have, have in their last nine, have eight wins and a draw. They've given up zero goals in the group stages, five straight games. They haven't given up a goal. Okay. But zero goals in the group stages when everything's, when everything matters, they won their group and people are still pissed. They're still pissed. So what the <laughs> hell do you want out of Gareth Southgate? The guys, yes, it might be pragmatic and, and it might not be sexy football, uh, liquid, sexy football, whatever you want to call it, but it's still not good enough. People, people want three zero wins and it has to look like, you know, the, the, the Xavi Iniesta years at Barcelona. Like just, Brazil, Brazil, 1970s. Yeah, it's like, yeah Jogo Benito, you know, yeah. where they're, they, they, they could play this game in the airport and still beat you three zero, you know? Yeah. So, so I just, I get it. Listen, I'm a U.S. men's national team supporter. I, I always want my team to win three zero and, and to look dominated and, and always be in complete control the whole time. It's not realistic. So sometimes based on your team, you can't always get what you want. But if you're getting results and things are happening and he got you to a World Cup semifinal, that should be something. And now he just won the group, didn't give up any goals. And he's, the, the amount of criticism he's under. Now, that said, I'm giving him some because I don't think he's starting the right guys, but they're still getting results. And I think that matters. And so and defensively, they're very sound. It's just a matter of whether they're committing too many people defensively and maybe not allowing that one link-up player. We talked about it with Portugal in the double pivot. He loves the double pivot, Gareth Southgate. He's had Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in there. Jordan Henderson got some minutes. I'm curious to see who he goes with as his team starts to round into form. Harry Maguire, I thought was good. Even though Tyrone Mings, we could argue, was very good as a center back. So, so this is going to be the big question mark. I actually think, pound for pound, that England's attack matches up very well against the slow defense of the Germans. But the Germans, who had a really tough time with Hungary as they eliminated the, the wide spaces that they took to great advantage over Portugal, it's going to be – this is a great game. This is a great game. It is a classic matchup. And, again, Yogi Love's got some own, his own question marks. Ilkay Gundogan wasn't good. Leon Goretzka came in, obviously scores the goal that gets them into this position. I think Goretzka's got to start now that he's back in. Thomas Moore having a little bit of an injury hurt – you know, it hurt them. They couldn't break down Hungary, who had, you know, nine guys on top of the box – they need a player that can do that, play and make good decisions in, in tight situations. That said, I think the biggest, biggest loss right now for Germany is they don't have a proper number nine. They don't have somebody up top that can hold the ball and allow them to potentially transition in a, in a different type of way. Right now, they seem to get, I feel like they get a little predictable. They try to create those numerical advantages with Goosens on one side and, and Kimmich on the other. And they can't, they, they, if that's taken away like Hungary did to great effect, then what? What are their answers? You know, and, and it, it, that's where I, I wonder what's going to happen. I see this being kind of low scoring. I could see a 1-0. To who? <sighs> I'm, I'm going to actually probably stay with England, if only because of their, their defensive acumen. The fact yeah. that they, if, if they lack an identity going forward at the moment, they know exactly who they are defensively. So when I look at Germany, their defensive lapses in almost every single game that they played, whether even when they played well against Portugal, they still gave up two goals. Like you can still get at them. There's still a lot of vulnerability there that I think England can take advantage of. My big fear by going with England is that they're going to get some great chances and they're going to fluff them. They're going to give out souvenirs to kids in row H, you know, uh, Raheem Sterling's going to trip over something. I mean, I love all these guys, but, and I think they're terrific players, but for whatever reason, and in, in, in the final third, they, they sometimes lack that composure. Harry Kane still hasn't scored. Maybe he's doing this one. I, I think England's going to do it. 
but uh, it's going to be a struggle like every other game that they played in so far. Yeah, it will be a struggle. Listen, just to answer your question at the beginning about why people complain so much with guy. Well, first of all, um, you know, they're English. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I, I, grew, I grew up in England. I, I was born there. I, I just, I know this country very well. It's just, it's a, it's just, it's in the genes to just complain. The second part, which is more important, it's more to do with the fact that you mentioned 1966, a good run in Euro 96. Since then, the way that England has entered a tournament and bowed out of it has almost always been the same, where it's just been very underwhelming in key situations. And sometimes Gareth Southgate creates that memory once again. Uh, to your point, his decision-making during the 90 minutes is one thing or another, but you know they haven't conceded a goal. They, you know, they topped the group and they're feeling confident. And Gareth, and I, for once, I agree with Southgate. He said, look, there's more to come from in England. And I do agree with that. It all depends on who you start. This game, to me, tactically, is going to be hopefully beautiful because Germany, right, are doing this whole four attacking man set behind Gnabry with, you know, so Goosen's obviously going forward, whatever, allowing so much vulnerability at the back. So when Germany face a tough defensive unit, let's say France, when they lost one, nothing, they had 10 shots, only one on target. This is going to be a similar scenario. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be a tight scoring event. And I see an England win just though, just. Yeah, yeah. just really quick on Germany. You make a great point. I mean, who is their holding midfielder? We tried, or Pep tried to put Gundogan at that, that spot for the championship. And he moved Kimmich to the right side, Jimmy. Like, it didn't work, yeah. But if you have that... Goretzka and Kimmich double mm. pivot in front of that back three and maybe have Goosens out wide left. And, mm. and I don't know who would maybe, maybe Pavard if he's not Pavard's on France, what I'm talking about, but if they have somebody out <laughs> wide. Right, they can bar like, in Munich. That's why no, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. 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 But, um, no, but it's a good point though. Yeah. It's uh, because it, I'm wondering if he's going to alternate a few things in this game, because the thing is defensively uh, to your point about Southgate's double pivot, it works very well in front of a Harry Maguire who looked excellent. Right. Next I was surprised because he yeah. hadn't played in a while. Me too. Me, me too. This is a game for the fullbacks, um, England specifically. Yeah. You have to go forward as much as you can because there's going to yeah, be, yeah. there's going to be like, like spaces the size of Texas on, on <laughs> in Germany's side, I think. But it's going to be tight. I still see it on one nothing to England. I agree with you. You going to stick with England? Yeah, I'll stay with England. All right. Good. Let's move on. We got Sweden, England on this side. All right, Netherlands. Sorry, Frank DeBara. I apologize. Okay. You've been pretty good. <laughs> Netherlands against the Czech Republic. What do you have? So the Netherlands for me, somewhat of a surprise because as you guys probably know at this point, I'm not the biggest Frank DeBoer fan. He was heavily criticized by his own brother ahead of the tournament for getting out of the 4-3-3, which he said, and I quote, Johan Cruyff would roll in his grave, you know, uh, be rolling around in his grave. And that's, that's intense. So yeah. <laughs> just slightly, but they've come out and, and Calm down. actually for me, Netherlands, it seemed like that first game they had to settle into it against Ukraine. Like this, this kind of wing back five, three, two, three, five, two, whatever you want to call it. Three, yeah. four, three kind of formation. And it is working. Uh, I think Jeannie Vinaldum in particular, his freedom to go a little bit more forward has he's got three goals so far Memphis Depay very active I think both of those guys having their off the field stuff settled makes a difference right they have a little bit yep. of peace about what their situation is moving forward their futures uh, Danielle Mullen I'm a big fan of him from PSV he's looked very good they can hurt you in a lot of different ways too I like this team a lot yeah 
Dumfries is getting forward. They're, they're bringing their, some of their defenders into the attack. And because of all their experience and, and these players always get the ball on the ground and try to play, I just think it's going to be too much for Czech Republic, who, you know, they got the goal of the tournament. I think that's what they're going to go home with, with Patrick Schick scoring from, from half field against Scotland. But outside of that, this is, for me, Netherlands is to lose. I mean, for me, it's not whether... Czech Republic have to play well to win, of course, but it's because of it'll be because if Netherlands lose, it'll be because of their mistakes. Yeah, not really anything that Czech Republic's doing because they're better. If that makes sense, I think there's a distinction there. But the, the, but with the confidence that I think the Dutch have and their belief kind of now in the system and how well they've been playing within that system, I just think the Netherlands are going to win this pretty comfortably. And if they can score early, then I just think it's going to be hard for Czech Republic to kind of punch back. So. That's what I expect. I think Dutch are going to go right at them right from the get-go, try to stomp on their throats and try to end the game as soon as possible and start looking forward to the quarterfinals. No, I agree completely. I think the only thing about Czech Republic is that, that I notice is that they press high, which can either, to your point, benefit Netherlands or really mess them up. And also, they're very fast when they enter the final third. They're really quick on their decision-making. And that could be a problem for the Netherlands, but I just there's too much firepower. There's too much attacking creativity from the Netherlands side. So it could be one of those situations where Czech Republic does score, but Netherlands will take care of business uh, offensively at the very least. I just think that to your point, I do like Czech Republic. I do think they have some good players. When I watched them play against England, again, I'm going to reference the time where they actually played a very good team in their group and they struggled. They just didn't create much. There wasn't mm. a lot of imagination or creativity against an England team that knows what they're doing. This Dutch team knows what they're doing. They mm. know how to play. They know how to move. And to your point, the Dutch can hurt you. You're like, okay, fine. We're going to try to sit and stack up Memphis Depay so he can't do what he wants to do. Well, Daniel Mullen or whoever else is up top is going to hurt you. Or uh, you have Vinaldum that's going to be making runs. Yeah, deep, everybody you know? goes, man. Total yeah, football, that, they just go. Yeah. They go. They go and they they know how to cover for each other and, and they're really efficient. And I was a little worried. But that because they played so well and they have that confidence, I think the buy-in to whatever DeBoer is saying is going to be strong. Now, what happens with the Dutch moving forward? You never know. They're always a hot dumpster fire more often than not. But, yeah, it but doesn't matter. Moment, at the moment, they seem uh, very good. And I, I just don't see how they're, they're going to lose this one outside of them self-destructing in the middle of the game. But I haven't seen any of that yet outside of them having a 2-0 lead against Ukraine and blowing that two-goal lead. So, so there was a little bit at the, at the beginning, but they've since got that out of their system and I think survived that and ultimately got the win in that one late. I think that kind of allowed them to breathe, right? You win that first opening game, you get the full three points, and, and then they started to relax and play. And when they relax and play, that's uh, when they're very, very good. That's why if any of these teams that we're talking about, and I'm looking mainly at Austria, Switzerland, and Czech Republic, if they can score first against opponents that are better than them on paper, for sure, and are, and are in better form, they, if they can score first, th that changes things. But it's going to be difficult to do that. Yeah, and to your point, they need to be perfect or at the very least almost perfect. But I see the Netherlands going through as well. All right, let's finish off here with Wales against Denmark. This is actually the first game of the round of 16, Saturday, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern. Wales against Denmark. What do you have? Yeah, so this one's interesting from a fan perspective. Let's start there. COVID-19 is going to restrict fans from Wales from making the trip whereas Denmark supporters will be allowed to attend in mass. So I feel like that's going to give them a bit of an advantage in Amsterdam. Um, As it has helped them in the past in Copenhagen, obviously, with the emotional mountain they had to climb. Yes, yes, right. yes. And Denmark have won their last three competitive meetings with Wales, dating back to June 1999. Though this is the first meeting between the sides at a major tournament. Uh, this will also be Denmark's first appearance in the latter stages of the Euros since 2004. 
Interesting. And like on that occasion, I think they'll be aiming to get to the quarterfinals. Here's what I'm going to say, everybody. I'm half Danish, okay? My dad was born in Denmark. My grandparents are Danish. So I'm going to be emotionally biased toward towards Denmark in general. Then you throw the Christian Eriksen situation in there and then how oh. UEFA put a lot of pressure on Denmark. There's no way in 100 million years I'm ever not saying that Denmark's not going to win this game. As much as I respect what Wales has done and the fact that, that they have a nice collective spirit, even with an interim manager and Rob Page, and, and, and you know we see somewhat of an energetic and rejuvenated, even though we saw at the end of the season with Tottenham, Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey's been sharp. Daniel James. Yeah, no, they're yeah, a good. Daniel I just, I, I'm not going against Denmark. I just, I mean, I refuse to do it. You can try to talk me out of it. You can give me all the stats in the world about what Wales is doing, but I just think there's some emotional heft that's lying underneath the surface that Denmark has that Wales doesn't. And it all revolves around Christian Eriksen and having a good run to, to bring something positive about this tournament. Cause they almost lost one of their best players and one of their dear friends. So I'm going to stick with that. And I'm just going to kind of leave all the other stuff out of it. I think the intangibles are really going to what separate Denmark from this. And also, if we do want to look at a game where their toughest test was Belgium in their group, and they came out swinging in that game. I thought they yeah. were going to sit back, and they came out swinging. They got the 1-0 lead, and then they kind of fell apart at the end. Then they changed their formation against Russia. They went to a back three, and they added some wingbacks. And that kind of unlocked some things. So... Because they played well against Belgium with a four and then played really well against Russia in a three, I don't know if Wales knows what's going to be coming and how to defend it. And I actually think that plays into Denmark's hands. That said, I, I said I was going to stay out of tactics, but I got into it anyway. I'm going Denmark, baby. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just think that Russia game showed everything. Everything. Sometimes This is why we love this game. Forget about the stats for a second. Denmark, just like Kasper Schmeichel said, we are going to give it our everything. For Christian Eriksen, so I, I and and to the point about honestly, I I do think that fans do make a difference, especially with this Danish side. I really believe that. And by the way, Denmark had like over sixty percent possession against Russia. Mm -hmm. Wales are not. Wales are very counterintuitive. They're not going to want the ball as much. So I think it's going to be an almost similar game as well. They had sixteen shots, ten on target. I mean, it's going to be the same thing. But to your point, this is all emotionally driven, and mm -hmm. the neutral probably wants. Denmark as well. I am going for a Denmark win too. So there you uh, have it. See, we're back to being friends. I love see, it. There you go. But wait, hold up. I want to make it before we leave. I do want to make it interesting here because now that we've done our quarter finalists, uh, this feels like too much pressure, but go, go on, continue. No, but I don't want to go all the way because we've got some disagreements in the quarterfinals. So let's just jump straight to the semifinals. Okay. Okay. I mean, the I want you to finals. Okay. Give me your four. Okay. I'm imagining that whatever happened, actually, because there's a game here where we see Belgium facing Italy, right? Who do you yes. have in that? Who do you have in that very cool? I'll say that. Oh my God. That's the hardest. Um, they're all going to be hard at this point. I'll say, I know, but we're like I'll, predicting say, I'll, say, I'll say Italy. I'll say Italy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let's say France, of course, uh, I said Spain, mm -hmm. you said Croatia, but let's say it doesn't uh, matter. France is going through. Yeah, so exactly. So that's head. fine. Okay. Okay. So England, we both had England. Uh, we dis we disagreed on Ukraine, Sweden, but you, you see England in the semifinals. I do. I think England will get to the semifinals and then lose again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. We've already talked about Denmark. They're facing the Netherlands. What do you have there? I do think that I do think there's probably going to be a surprise somewhere or two along the way, because as I mentioned at the very beginning, the Euros does have that element. Is to it. this movie going to continue, Jimmy Conrad? I don't Denmark think so. Gonna... I, th I think the Netherlands are going to do it. Here. I do. I think Netherlands, England in the semis, 
And okay, so we crazy have- for me to say because I am honestly a staunch non-fan of of Frank DeBoer. I know it's weird. Are you it kidding? Like we, we've been criticizing Frank DeBoer. Right, so listen, much. rightfully criticizing Frank. No, DeBoer. absolutely justified. But we but, see but him. That's a nice draw. Partners. That's a nice draw for Netherlands. I don't think Czech is going to really public's going to push them and stretch them too much. And then you know Wales and Denmark. Either one of them get through. I don't see them really pushing Netherlands too much. And I think Netherlands is like the, the you know that confidence momentum train. I just think will be in full choo choo. Yeah. You know and. And then I think Netherlands, England, man, it's all there. But I like that final four. You have Italy, France, England, Netherlands. I mean, that yep. is a classic, classic final four. All right. So what do you have? Table. Italy over France. Oh, now I have to take another step. Okay, yeah, let's here we do go. It. Um, I think that Italy will stumble here. I think France will get to the final. Yep, I agree. All right, let's go to the other side. Netherlands, England. Just for the just for the memes, just for the laughs. Uh, I want to see England get to the final and lose to France. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I have. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> I have England, France. Uh, English fans hate us. We're just like trying to find a way to troll them. I know, but, I, you know, I'm an England fan. I want England to win it, but it's France is just too good, I think. They're just too, too good. But it would be very... Hey, at could, Wembley, final at Wembley and England lose it. Can you imagine? I could see, I could, oh, I could see it. And then, you know, all the English fans, oh, stick to your soccer, man. <laughs> Who's your golden boot winner, own, Mr. Ongol? Ongol is definitely cruising. And it's going to be a big, they should be, big sign in like, the transfer window. What's yeah, that? that's. I think they should roll with this. Like a I golden boot. Too. And then a guy comes in dressed in the, like Mr. Ongol suit or whatever. And, I take, <laughs> and, and like walk up to the podium. That would be amazing, actually. I would say that if Belgium end up taking a deep run and beating Portugal, I, I think that Romelu Lukaku could end up being that golden boot winner. And if you wanted to bet on him to be the golden boot winner right now, let me see. I had it. I had it. I had it. Golden boot winner. If you've Cristiano Ronaldo, who's got the lead with five minus one thirty-seven. But if you think Lukaku can do it, and they're going to have to beat Portugal, obviously, to make that happen, so you can get a couple more games plus five fifty. Uh, I wouldn't mind throwing a little bit on that, Romelu Lukaku. Yep. No, I I think that was my original choice for golden boot way back before the tournament started. Lukaku. I, I still see Just that. Keep going. telling yourself that. We don't need to go look back. <laughs> you did. You picked Lukaku for sure. <laughs> yeah. And if I didn't, I got the receipts. I think. But it all depends. I don't know. But anyway, that was fun. That Our was round fun. of sixteen preview. Jimmy Conrad always delivering. I love it. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, final thoughts before we say goodbye. I just I have this crazy final thought. I just wanted to give it a shout out because I thought that. Uh, Hungry played their hearts out, right? Yeah. And there was a stat that I saw that was unreal, and I just wanted to share it. Hungry, in Group F, in the group of death, were ahead for more minutes and trailed for fewer minutes than any other team in Group F. Oh, my God. And they finished last. That's so sad. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they were hungry not to lose. <laughs> yeah, hungry like the like the wolf, but not bad, really. Bad jokes. It is bad. I told that from James Bench. I saw him tweet it. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah, because he's all ben, about the dad jokes. Oh, Bench is all a, about he, the dad jokes. You're not allowed to do dad jokes if you're not a dad. That's yeah, that's true. I'm just a loser. Well, maybe right. he has a kid he doesn't know about. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, just, I think I just I just crossed a big, big line. I'm just joking, everybody. Yeah, well, tell that to his family. because. <laughs> all right, Jimmy Conrad. Thank you so much, brother. Thanks, Elamie. 
Hey everybody, I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. We are also on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps us to grow the show. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Stay with us because we have plenty more with Que Golazo, including a recap of every day after the round of 16 and so much more. Enjoy the games and have a great, great weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.